What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everyone, it's Los. Here we go. Week six almost finished. Got a fantastic game so far for the evening. Uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun being had left and right, right, Mung? Yeah, uh, this Arizona-Dallas game, not so much. It's been a pretty slow start. And then uh, the Chiefs-Bills game was good, but a, a bit disappointing with the wind and the rain. Uh, a lot of ground and pound, which... Uh, you know, it would have been nice to see one of those high-octane matchups between Mahomes and Allen. I don't know. I don't think there was anything more high-octane than uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire this week, but uh, we'll, we'll talk more about him a little later. Yes, parting will be such sweet sorrow. I don't know. We'll talk. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I think we're at the point in the season where you kind of know if you're a contender or not. Um and if you're not, then it's time to make some big moves. Uh, you know, we've said this for the last week or two, but it really is crunch time. We're about halfway through the regular season now. We certainly are, uh, hopefully. I mean, things have been lucky thus far. Things have been uh, holding in place. We don't have any signs of the season ending early. We haven't had any major outbreaks. We had, of course, that week four fiasco from Tennessee, but they adjusted. They adapted quite well. Fingers crossed. Nothing uh, Nothing goes awry past that. I think Tennessee just wanted uh, an extra week or two for A.J. Brown to get healthy. I- you know, I would not put that past variable whatsoever. He has done a great job. He he learned from the best in Bill Belichick, right? So uh, so I, I wouldn't put it past him. Sure did with that uh, 12 men on the field penalty again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, super sneaky. And uh, if you'd like to be sneaky with prop bets, you guys should check out Thrive Fantasy because it's perfect for you, offering DFS-style contests where you pick 10 out of 20 prop bets each week and you compete against other players on how many you get right. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with either the over or under based on the likelihood to occur. And the more you pick correctly, the more points you score, helping you to place and win money. Thrive has paid over paid out over $1.4 million in prizes since launching in 2018. And if you use our promo code ADDICTS, that's A-D-D-I-C-T-S, when you sign up for an account and deposit $20 minimum You'll receive an instant match of up to $50 credited to your account. Check it out today on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store, or you can play at thrivefantasy.com. I'm sure there's a uh, number of prop bets every week on uh, turnovers for Daniel Jones, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, One of the most maddening ones is every now and again, Thrive will have um, total touchdowns, quote-unquote, where it's passing touchdowns minus interceptions so Mm. that's one that i tend to stay away from if daniel jones is involved (laughs) that would that be something that i'm sure uh the entire entirety of giants ownership would like to stay away from yes indeed although uh they were able to carve out that close win and uh they're gonna need a little bit more luck this week uh kicking off our slate of games it's thursday night football the new york giants at the philadelphia eagles 
And I guess the silver lining for this rough-looking Giants team is that Devontae Freeman seems to be, quote-unquote, the guy now in that backfield. Still just a flex play, uh, given the state of that offense, but, you know, we are finally seeing that he's getting a ton of carries and involved as a pass catcher. And then it was also good to see a little bit of rushing production from Daniel Jones as well. That's kind of how he carved out some fantasy value last year as a rookie, um, but he's still been very erratic as a passer, so can't trust him as more than just a desperation QB2. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that the most uh, reliable player for the Giants is a guy who was, you know, unemployed come uh, start of the season with Devontae Freeman. Nobody else uh, or nobody even reached 42 yards receiving. Uh, uh, Slayton connected on that touchdown, but nothing to write home about. Hope you have better options here. Yeah, um, Slayton did play through uh, an ankle injury that apparently he hurt a couple times during that game, but uh otherwise yeah like you said just not a whole lot to write home about on the eagles side i'm really not sure what to think about this team carson wentz has been getting killed by the pass rush but he's somehow kept them in games long enough to have a shot at beating both pittsburgh and baltimore and again travis fulgham has stepped into that number one wide receiver role with sean jackson alshon jeffrey and jalen rager all hurt but again Fulgham is a sell high if you can get something of value for him before these guys come back it does sound like Deshaun Jackson uh, will suit up for this Thursday night game yeah I guess uh, Travis Fulgham's a real thing I'm still a bit of a skeptic but you can't argue with another 10 targets on the week um Ertz needed 10 of tar- ten targets of his own to give you a seven-point day, but it does sound like he's going to miss this week, too. So uh, really keep your eyes peeled, ears open to see what's going to happen with Dallas Goddard here. But minus, da- uh, minus Zach Ertz just gives more opportunity to Fulgham again. Yeah. Um, again, short-term, if you need wide receiver help, he's fine. But long-term, rest of the season, uh, I don't see that target volume continuing. <laughs> All that being said, uh, it's hard to pick the Giants right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the Eagles here. Yeah, same. It's a home game for the Eagles. Uh, New York's gonna lose it for themselves as they keep doing. Yep. Although they won this week. <laughs> well, I mean that's because Riverboat Ron chose to roll the dice. But uh, hey, can't argue with that. Um, our slate of Sunday noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern games begins with the Detroit Lions at the Atlanta Falcons. The big story here for Detroit, of course, is DeAndre Swift's breakout game against Jacksonville. Uh, and Detroit gets another great rushing matchup this week against Atlanta. So how are you projecting this Lions backfield going forward, Low Swift looks like the clearly better running back, but it was still a pretty even split in terms of workload. 14 carries for Swift, 15 for Peterson. What do you think? I think this was basically the trial run for DeAndre Swift here. Um, he showed some clear ability. He's definitely the most talented back on the team. And I think after this, he becomes the number one on this three-headed sort of ugly monster situation. I think he's definitely startable here versus Atlanta. But for long term, I would also consider selling high to a running back needy team if you have that luxury. If you yourself have some depth, because this is going to be a three-headed committee. And they are going to have tougher opponents than uh, what they saw this week. Sure, and like you said, the quote-unquote lead back doesn't necessarily mean a workhorse role. I do still expect Peterson to steal some goal line touchdowns here or there, uh, but certainly like Swift as an RB2 this week against the Falcons. Yep. 
speaking of the Falcons, they absolutely demolished the, the Vikings. Julio seems to have magically healed from that hamstring injury. Um, Calvin Ridley continues to dominate alongside him. Those two are clearly the guys in this offense. But if Matt Ryan can get things going again, uh, maybe Russell Gage and Hayden Hurst can be things. Yeah, it's just like I said. If Julio Jones isn't there, don't start Matt Ryan. Unfortunately, I left out the part where if he plays, the two of them are, are going to completely explode. Uh, he made up for some lost time with 140 yards, two touchdowns. Looked absolutely fantastic. I think he really is the cog that gets the wheel moving on this offense. Um, meanwhile, unfortunately, Brian Hill continues to prove himself ineffective. So, to me, Gurley stays a very solid running back, too. And with Julio and Ryan clicking, which I expect them to do here again versus Detroit, I think everybody's on the up and up, including the tight end. I do expect them to click, but uh, the Lions have clicked a little bit since they're by as well, and I am going to take the Lions on the road. Poop. Boy, I forgot I had to pick this matchup. Jeez, that's ugly. Uh, I'm going to take Atlanta. You know, I, I, I think they get it together here. All right. Sounds good. Um, I don't like it, but uh, but it's happening. Well, uh, Atlanta has certainly blown their fair share of leads uh, in <laughs> baseball as well uh, recently. Ooh, so <laughs> that, that poor city. Yeah. Uh, but we'll move on here to another poor city, Cleveland at Cincinnati. <laughs> The Browns, <laughs> indeed. Uh, the Browns got crushed by Pittsburgh, but this is a nice bounce back matchup for them. The one thing I wanted to touch on here is Austin Hooper, who, after a slow start to the year, seems to be getting more involved in that offense. He's now averaged eight targets per game over the last three weeks, and Hooper's rostered enough not to be on our waiver wire list for later on in the show, but he is a solid play this week against the Bengals. I agree there. Uh, another sign for that is that the, the word is that David Njoku is back to requesting, demanding, whatever you want to call it, a trade off of the team. I think at this point of the season, he saw week one, he scored the touchdown. Things were looking hunky-dory. Um, we see a heck of a lot. They see a heck of a lot more than we do just on the playing field on Sunday or Tuesday or Thursday or Monday or whatever it is. They're on the practice fields. I don't think if he considered himself a real part of this offense that he'd be doing this again. And that opens the door up for austin hooper yep and on the other side here um aj green had a nice game a solid game against the colts are you buying that los uh, because t higgins did lead the team with 125 receiving yards off of eight targets but green led the team with targets uh with 11 and he put up a pretty respectable 96 yards of his own I am not buying. I didn't buy. I'm not getting into the game now. As a matter of fact, I was really hoping T. Higgins was going to sneak through this week unnoticed, uh, not leading the team in yardage because I was really hoping to get him on the cheap for this matchup here versus Cleveland. Maybe A.J. Green was my, my saving grace here and will divert enough attention away because I think that he's a must-start here versus Cleveland. For me, I'm all the way in on Higgins, all the way out on Green. So you're telling me that you did not take the fantasy advice that we gave last week about Higgins as our number one waiver wire priority at wide receiver? I I, I had a little trouble with running backs on uh, on one of my rosters, so I, I unfortunately wasn't able to add him in that one spot that I really wanted him. Fair enough. Uh, I think that's a good point to bring up that you know our waiver advice is always uh, roster dependent, league dependent, whatever you want to call it. Um, I have been stashing Higgins in a couple leagues, and 
I've been lucky enough to not even need to start him thus far. I've been, you know, he was more of the don't let my opponent get him, which is sure. also something to keep in mind when you're playing that waiver game. Um, one final thing on the Bengals side here. Keep an eye on that Joe Mixon foot injury. Doesn't sound serious, but uh, he was in and out of that game against Pittsburgh. So, or excuse me, not Pittsburgh, um, against the Colts. So worth monitoring here. Burrow looks really good against uh, Cleveland the last time we had the battle for Ohio, but I am still going to go with the Browns here. Before we uh, get to that, if uh, Mixon is hobbled, not looking great heading into this week, or I guess maybe we talk about this in the waiver ad section, but I want to touch on it here. Do you think Bernard has much of a chance? I don't actually like him as a, as a backup start against Cleveland. I do. I think he'll be in, uh, involved enough as a receiver uh, to be a solid okay. PPR flex or even RB2. Um, obviously a, a tough matchup on the ground, but uh, it's yeah. more so for that receiving work, I think. All right. Uh, I'm going to take, uh, yeah, Cincinnati. Joe Burrow looks really good. Uh, Cleveland is having some troubles at quarterback. Baker's ribs have shown, seen better days, and the backup quarterback uh, did not get it done. So uh, I think Cincinnati takes out a tough one at home. Ooh, all right. It's already two deviations uh, early on this week. Hopefully I can make up some ground on our pickums. I'm so bad at this. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> all right. The next game here, uh, Pittsburgh at Tennessee. Uh, the Steelers look like they could be a legit Super Bowl contender this year. But unfortunately for those with Juju on their rosters, they may not be fantasy contenders if they've been starting him. Well, uh, what are you doing with Juju here, Los? I don't think he's a drop, but it's become pretty clear that he's not an integral piece in this offense, even when Deontay Johnson has been out. And he's a risky weekly, what, wide receiver four start right now? A flex is, is all I can see him as right now. I'm terribly concerned for Juju Smith-Schuster. Just four targets this week for a prior 1,400-plus yard receiver. It really boggles my mind. I get that they have good options around the field. They've got a number of weapons that Roethlisberger keeps finding, but, geez, the fall for such a young player, it, I really can't wrap my brain around it. Yeah, And this is without Deontay Johnson even on the field this week. Yeah, you would think he would have been more involved with Johnson out. Uh, I think part of it might have been game script dependent, where they just really blew out Cleveland. But still, I mean, you would think that Juju would have been part of that blowout uh, early on in the game, right? I absolutely thought he was. I thought we could see, you know, bottom end wide receiver one numbers here. I didn't, you know, bank on it or anything like that, thankfully. But gee, it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a he fell off a cliff so far. Yeah, if we pivot to dynasty formats real quick, Los, I know we're keeping this mostly a redraft show, but sure. what, what's the price where, let's say you're not contending this year, what would you pay for Juju? He is a, say, he is a free agent. If I'm not agent. contending, what would I pay for him? I wouldn't pay anything for him right now until he shows me something again. Okay, because he is, he is on the last year of his deal, so he could go somewhere exactly. a little bit more fantasy-friendly, perhaps. Um just Perhaps, but how many thought. times do we see receivers change teams and, you know, not everybody's DeAndre Hopkins. We'll put it that way. For sure. Uh, I think he's a high-risk, high-reward buy right now. Sure. I'm, what sort of prices are you seeing? I mean, if it's something crazy like a second rounder, I would do that in a heartbeat. That's that's not even a question. I think uh, you could probably get Juju for a late first in some leagues right now. Um, kind of like, uh, you know, Michael Gallup. Uh, people are disillusioned with some of these wide receivers who just have, haven't done much early on in the season. 
Yeah, I think I would do that. I, I do. All right. On the Tennessee side here, uh, Ryan Tannehill looks to be in the conversation as a possible MVP candidate alongside Russell Wilson. Uh, are you trusting him this week against the Steelers defense, though? This is a tough week. I think I... Mm, gosh. Th- like, he's doing so great. You're absolutely right. MVP conversation. This is one matchup where I can't say, you know, slam it down, throw him in. Next week, the week after, things like that, sure. But Pittsburgh is tough, and this is a great opportunity for him. So if he shows us that he can get it done versus Pittsburgh, I think there's no more questions left for the rest of the season. For sure. And I think. See how I dodged that one? (laughs) You did. But, uh, you know, to be fair, the Titans did lose their left tackle, Taylor Lewan, for the season with that torn ACL. So TJ Watt could feast this week on Tannehill. All that said, I I think Tannehill, I would be comfortable starting him as a low-end QB1. Certainly not Mm -hmm. a must-start, depending on your other options. Uh, But you could do worse. Absolutely. And you could do a heck of a lot worse than Anthony Ferkser at uh, tight end with Janu possibly out. Ferkser filled right in. He didn't miss a beat. Nine targets and a touchdown looked like a big part of the offense. The only potential hiccup I have there is the uh, possible return of Corey Davis this week, possibly muddying the waters. But I think that hurts Humphreys and the wide receivers more than the tight end, which seems to be a very big part of this, uh, this system. Yeah, Tannehill will certainly target his tight end plenty. Uh, I was very sad I had Jonu Smith in quite a few DFS lineups. So, mm. you know, hashtag trust the process. You can't predict these injuries. But. It would have been a great play. I mean, for Ferk sort of convert what he did, Jonu could have ended the week as tight end one again. For sure. And I, I do agree that Ferkser is a solid uh, uh, back end tight end one start if Jonu is out this week. Uh, but all that being said, uh, as much as I love this Tannehill and, and Titans story here, I am still going to go with Pittsburgh. They look very legit. Boy, they both look very legit, though. Um, this is gonna, this is this is a uh, you know dark horse game of the week appeal right here. I didn't really think about it until we went and analyzed it. Two solid defensive plays here. Great offenses. I think I'm going to lean Pittsburgh as well. I, I think uh, Chase Claypool has a few more tricks up his sleeve for us to find out about this week. Alrighty, sounds good. Uh, the next game, we're going to move to the NFC South, the Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. We surprisingly saw the target share flip for this game. Robbie Anderson, who thus far on the season has been peppered with targets, saw just five against the Bears. And then DJ Moore, who hasn't seen many at all, saw 11 so are you buying this is this something that you think is changing uh or is this a changing the guard was this just a weird matchup against the bears if you had to pick right now which panthers wide receiver would you rather have in ppr rest of the season robbie anderson or dj moore I would rather have DJ Moore if the cost was the exact same, but it's not by much. I don't think this was a changing of a guard. I I actually think so. I, I watched the vast majority of this game being a Bears fan. I noticed now I, I didn't go diving into research here, so I could be entirely wrong about this. But I think that they had Fuller on Robbie Anderson and they had the rookie on DJ Moore. Did you catch that? I did not. Um, but I'm also distracted because I just watched a long touchdown to Christian Kirk, which I'm pretty happy about. Wow, two of them. Nice game so far. That's your guy. 
Uh, it is. He had a slow start to the year, but uh, big fan. Um, a couple best ball leagues he had him going. I'm sure he'll uh, register this week. <laughs> yeah, more than a couple. <laughs> was a little bit nervous <laughs> about that pick early on, but yeah, but yeah I, back I think, to DJ Moore. I think uh, it was matchup He also right? hauled in a uh, game tying touchdown with one hand, which got knocked out by the ground. Um, I think we'd really be high on DJ Moore if that happened. Um, I, I really think that Kyle Fuller was on Robbie Anderson, though, the most of the game. Th- that could mean this is a sell-high opportunity if somebody still sees him as a big upside wide receiver, too. Um, we could see the same thing against New Orleans, though. What if they put their number one uh, tight end uh, or number one corner on Robbie Anderson again? Yeah, I, I think that's something to keep in mind going forward. Um, but I think as of right now, I still want Anderson slightly over more rest of the season yeah it's slight it's absolutely slight eh, maybe it is anderson i don't know maybe it's so the answer is to get both it's, cer- <laughs> it's certainly not a dominant uh, stay for for more or anything like that yeah it's i mean i think this carolina panthers offense is really just you know over over or excuse me exceeding expectations that's what i was yeah. looking for and while they are throwing the ball to mike davis the targets for will decrease for both these receivers when christian mccaffrey's back yeah, and keep in mind, too, the early report is that they still want to give him another week or two, kind of get him that full six weeks to heal up, so keep firing up Mike Davis in the meantime. Yes, we'll save him against New Orleans for sure. Yeah, and the Michael on the other side of this matchup, Michael Thomas, should be back this week, which will be a huge lift for that entire Saints offense. This probably renders uh, Emmanuel Sanders and Traquan Smith uh, down back to just those boomer bust wide receiver fours. Um, I don't really have a whole lot other to say about the Saints coming off of their bye. Anything you want to add here? No, Thomas, Kamara, Breeze, Cook should be good to go. Thomas, Kamara, Breeze, Cook, Saints. Yep. All righty. <laughs> Moving right along here, our next game is going to be the Buffalo Bills at the New York Jets. My analysis for this game is start all the Bills against the Jets and to start Jameson Crowder against the Bills. So are you saying that you want to start both Moss and Singletary? Because that was my my only thing that I thought was worth thinking of. No, I I meant, you know, all the usual suspects. Um, Moss, I think he's still just an RB4 play. We've seen that Singletary has been playing well for the most part, and coming off of that toe injury, I think Moss will kind of need to work his way back into the rotation. Yeah, okay. So you're just saying Singletary, Allen, and um, and, uh, Dix. Yeah, and I think Cole Beasley is worth talking about. Uh, another touchdown for him against the Chiefs. He's been very involved in the game plan every single week, uh, even a bit more so than John Brown. Well, John Brown was held catchless on his four targets here. I wonder how different it would have looked if he converted some of those, if we see a little less of Beasley. But I think you're right against the Jets. Either is a is a fine flex play. Yeah, but I mean, the story is John Brown didn't convert those targets, right? (laughs) True. Absolutely. You're not wrong. Um, Although we will keep an eye on that Cole Beasley ankle injury, too, where he got twisted around on that touchdown tonight. So something to keep track of. We don't have that in our injuries because it did happen just an hour or two ago. Right. Uh, Buffalo, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I, 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 I mean, we just have to say Jamison Crowder wide receiver two for me i don't know about for you yeah he's a, a he's a safe wide receiver two start seeing double digit targets every single week uh, can't argue with the volume especially in ppr formats yeah but yes i'll take the buffalo bills 
And just real quick before we move on, I saw a funny uh, a meme on Twitter about uh, Trevor Lawrence ex- exploring grad school options right now. <laughs> maybe maybe tech on another year. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Get that fifth year oh, program going. How on. dreadful would that be if if this is all part of the Jets' plan to have Gase just tank the season for so they can get him on the team and lock those two together for gosh. Are people really that kind of thinking he had something to do with Peyton Manning's success? Like, did they not watch Peyton Manning's entire career before linking up with Gase? I, I just don't get it. I don't know, but, uh, you know, I'm sure I sure am a little jealous of Gase because, hey, I wish I could kind of ride the coattails in my job. Yeah, hey, if I could do that bad of a job and still get paid, wow, that'd be that'd really be something. I think I have a little too much pride for that to uh, to the, for that to happen. <laughs> we're we're throwing the, the gloves down on Adam Gase right now. That's uh, that's probably not fair. Man isn't here to defend himself this no, episode. I mean, to be fair, he is the punching bag of Twitter. So very yeah, yeah it's, it's a quid pro quo. All right, next game up here, the Dallas Cowboys at the Washington football team. Uh, We're seeing tonight that the Andy Dalton-led Cowboys are struggling against the Cardinals. Uh, But, uh, you know, Zeke is doing fine, minus that fumble so far. Uh, That defense is still in rough shape. So, you know, with Arizona already up and many teams probably leading against them, they're going to need to throw the ball. Again, we'll see how the target share all shakes out tonight between Cooper, Gallup, and Lamb, and maybe a little Dalton Schultz in there as well. So not a whole lot to talk about here until we see more from the Cowboys. On the Washington side, uh, we do have an answer for the question as to whether Kyle Allen would target their best playmaker as often as Dwayne Haskins did, and the answer is yes, 12 targets for Terry McLaurin. That makes him a fairly safe start uh, as a wide receiver, too, especially against this Cowboys secondary. And Los, I know you picked up J.D. McKissick in one of our leagues together, so I'll, I'll let you talk about him. I wish I didn't have to. I wish I didn't do it. I'm seeing way, way, way too much J.D. McKissick. I, I really like the playmaker <laughs> uh, that Antonio Gibson is, um, but but I just had a feeling. you know, I, I, I just knew Riverboat Ron was going to do something just wrong completely and utterly wrong i mean i don't know i'm not an nfl coach right jd mckissick must be better at something than the rookie is probably pass protection or something but by the end of the season gibson is going to be taking over this backfield mark my words um i hope yeah but uh you know certainly it <laughs> the doesn't confidence all went away <laughs> but yeah not helping that uh theo riddick v2 is uh, stealing yeah. all these receiving uh, receiving targets here, and then Logan Thomas. I don't get it. Gibson is Gibson is tremendous in the passing game. I just don't get it. Yeah, I I don't know either. It's you know one of those things where you know why is why was Naeem Hines and uh, Jordan Wilkins getting so much work ahead of Jonathan Taylor and you know. Well, that I can at least explain away to coaching familiarity. Ron Rivera and, and the staff went out and signed J.D. McKissick. He wasn't a he wasn't a, a on, he wasn't a Washington football Tonian before. <laughs> well, I think if you Google uh, deep enough in the dark web, you'll find that J.D. McKissick is actually Ron Rivera's daughter's cousin's brother-in-law's son. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I had no idea. Probably. Well, now that makes a lot more sense. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating, but uh, certainly Antonio Gibson is doing enough to maintain his flex value. Um, and then I did want to talk about Logan Thomas real quick, who caught a touchdown against the Giants, yeah. but still just a 10% target share. So he remains off the radar for the most part outside of deeper leagues. Yep. Dallas uh, has not looked good tonight, but Washington has not looked good all season. I'm still going to take Dallas here. Yeah, I think uh, Andy Dalton's going to show that he's a little bit more mobile than we remember him being. Uh, escape this pass rush, which should be the only stopgap that uh, Washington has to put up, the only possible problem. I think Dallas handles this one pretty pretty darn well. Dalton has already escaped a uh, almost safety tonight, so did a, did a good go. job about that. Um, the next game up, the Green Bay Packers at the Houston Texans, and it was not a good day for Rodgers and company, but they should mm-hmm. be, bounce back here uh, against the Texans defense that just gave up 360 yards and four touchdowns to Ryan Tannehill and 200-plus rushing yards and two touchdowns to Derrick Henry. Uh, just absolutely bonkers. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say about that. Um, Robert Tanyan should be a nice start here too. Didn't do too much against Tampa Bay, but he was in and out of that game with some kind of injury, but it does not look to be too serious. Yeah. Houston's about to have a problem. Uh, even though green Bay got thrown off, they still managed, uh, I think it was, it was six or seven targets to the tight ends between Lewis and Tanyan. And that was with Tanyan in and out of the game. Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams are going to run wild on the on the Texans. Uh, Alan Lazard is, is an IR stash if you have an empty slot. I just want to bring his name up because I do think when he's healthy, he does get back to this wide receiver this uh, the wide receiver two slot on this team, and they're they're producing enough that uh, I think he is going to be very viable down the road. Yep, and on the Houston side, we are finally seeing this offense on track for the second week in a row here. Jair Alexander uh, has been excellent in coverage, though, limiting Mike Evans to just one catch for 10 yards. So a little bit concerned about Will Fuller in this one, uh, if he does see a lot of Alexander this week. But that in turn should free up Brandon Cooks, who has been doing very well uh, since the Bill O'Brien firing. And we're finally seeing Darren Fells, uh, his potential with Jordan Aikens out with that ankle injury. Uh, If he is out again, then Fells could be a solid tight end start once more. Yeah, this offense has finally figured it out. It took a few weeks uh, to get the offense rolling, to get Deshaun integrated with his new weapons. Um, but now they're going. What do you think had more to do with the uh, the resurgence of Brandon Cooks? Do you think it's losing Bill O'Brien, though, the guy who went out of his way to trade for him? Or do you think Brandon Cooks just got angry at literally every fantasy analyst writing him off after two, week, uh, two weeks ago? Yeah, I don't know, but uh, I want whatever he's having. Yeah, I, I'm uh, not happy. I, I apologize, Mr. Cooks. I, I wish you were still on my team. I, I, I should have trusted my process and known why why known why I drafted you. And uh, now I now I reap the losses. I'm sorry. Yeah, this should be a pretty tight game. Uh, both pretty explosive offenses here. I, I think we're gonna see an, an angry Aaron Rodgers though. So I, I'm gonna lean Green Bay on this one. Yeah, I think Green Bay's defense uh, stands taut. Green Bay's going to win this one. Next game up here, we're getting into those mid-afternoon Sunday games. Seattle Seahawks Mm -hmm. at the Arizona Cardinals. Not a whole lot to say here about Seattle. Uh, Again, all the top guys should be fine starts. They're coming off the bye, well-rested, well-rested, excuse me. Anything in particular? I don't see anything on Arizona's defense stopping Russell Wilson and company. 
get them all going. Yeah, and on the flip side here, uh, should be How about a, um, tight end? Arizona is bad against the tight end. Do you think Greg Olson or uh, Will Disley? Or neither because they're splitting. That's probably something to talk about with how bad tight end is. No, I think, I mean, I think it's still mostly uh, Greg Olson here. But since they got Buda Baker, uh, the Cardinals have been much better against the tight end this year than they were yep. last year. So I don't, I don't think um, Olson's a must start or anything like that absolutely just wanted to spotlight that so uh because memories from last season last long into the the season after until uh and that's how championships are lost sometimes by hanging on to things that were true before yeah definitely um but it is true uh for 2020 that the seahawks secondary is still pretty bad so um you know we're seeing christian kirk going off tonight i like him again for this coming week and certainly murray and hopkins as well Yep. Uh, want to see the rest of this game before I make a call on Drake here, but just pay close attention to the numbers between Drake and Edmonds. A lot of people were thinking Edmund, this is the game where Edmonds really takes over. Have not seen that as of yet. Yeah, and we are seeing uh, that workload finally pan out a little bit um, for Drake, who did get that one-yard rushing touchdown tonight. Um, all that being said, uh, it's really hard to bet against Russell Wilson, especially coming off a bye. Yeah, I'm taking the Seahawks. All right, so the next game up, Kansas City Chiefs at the Denver Broncos. Again, it was a downpour game that led to a lot of work for CEH tonight. Not so much for Hill or Hardman, but now that we get Le'Veon Bell thrown into the mix, how do you see this backfield shaking out, Los? I really hope that this week's huge game for Clyde Edwards-Alaire really solidified his working role. He certainly ran like he had something to prove. It's, he, he ran like he had, uh, you know, a fire lit under his butt. Like he saw Le'Veon Bell coming and he knew, well, heck, this is my job. I don't want to lose it. Also, the coach speak uh, that was uh, that was heard in the past days that Bell was not brought on to be taking too much work away from uh, from Edwards-Alaire, but I'd, I would be lying if I said I wasn't concerned. I'm not dropping him far out of a running back one situation just yet, just because of how good this offense is, especially this week. I don't really see Denver stopping the Chiefs. Yeah, it's... Uh... You know, I kind of almost equate it to that Fournette and Ronald Jones situation in Tampa Bay early in the year where I do think that both are going to have big games, but it might be tough trying to figure out which week is going to be a CH week and which week's going to be a Le'Veon Bell week. Um, I mean, it's not as if this isn't a new complex offense that Le'Veon Bell's going to have to pick up. Like Andy Reid runs a very complex offense, a lot of movement going on. Certainly not what Le'Veon Bell has been dealing with in in New York. Yeah, and I I think really the loser here is Daryl Williams because Bell likely takes some of that work. Um, He got a farewell touchdown. I think think that was a a gift given to him for for, uh, (laughs) the season here. Yeah, and on the Broncos side, uh, let's talk a little bit about Tim Patrick because this is why we were so excited about Cortland Sutton coming into the year. Uh, Drew Locke isn't afraid to throw it up to his guys on the boundary, and Patrick now has two back-to-back games with over 100 yards, so how would you rate him for the rest of the season? I think he's a solid flex play. I do think that Judy steps up heading forwards. Um, I mean, he, he's a top. Patrick will be... 
in the top 40, probably probably in the mid to late 30s uh, from a from a wide receiver standpoint until we start to see Jerry Judy do more. Maybe I've just fallen too much in love with the rookie. That's entirely possible because Tim Patrick does keep making it happen. He He's getting essentially the Cortland Sutton work. Yeah, and uh, again, uh, we'll stick mostly to redraft, but Sutton is a great buy in Dynasty as well, oh, much yeah. like Juju. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, can't bet against Mahomes. No, I'm taking Kansas City. But before we move on, I do just want to touch on the uh, t- on the Sammy Watkins situation. Does it sh- it surprised me a bit? Did it surprise you at all to see Demarcus Robinson seeing the most uh, targets, the the biggest target bump in Sammy Watkins' absence, rather than uh, McCole Hardman, where where I think a lot of people were thinking that was where that was going to go. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I'm one of the biggest Hardman guys you can find. Um, yeah. But yeah. it doesn't. I, I knew that Robinson was going to be involved, obviously, with Watkins out. He does play a lot more of those uh, shorter to intermediate routes. And yeah. I really do think part of the issue was that downpour of the rain because, mm-hmm. um, you know, part of it was it, it took away a lot of the deep shots because it, it's harder to complete those uh, lower percentage passes in those conditions. And two, it looks like Buffalo's entire defensive game plan was really to limit those big plays, right? Because they forced CH to grind it out uh, six or seven yards at a time, which he certainly did. And they forced Mahomes to, you know, get it done on third downs when CH couldn't. Uh, And basically they were playing very off coverage for the entire game. So they basically took away Hill and Hardman. Um, so I am not concerned about Hardman in that sense because we saw Hill kind of disappear too with those rainy conditions. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right on the money. Uh, next game. All right, Eats. Let's get to San Francisco 49ers at the New England Patriots. What a difference a week makes with Jimmy Garoppolo's ankle. <laughs> uh, that Niners offense looked so much better with a healthy Garoppolo under center. Of course, uh, the bad news is they lost Raheem Mostert again, this time to that dreaded high ankle sprain who we've seen take out quite a few running backs already this year and wide receivers as well. So Jarek McKinnon should be a priority add. Uh, It's very possible that he got dropped in a few leagues after Mostert came back. Uh, Behind McKinnon, though, are you picking up Jamichael Hasty, Tevin Coleman? Both are interesting names because even though McKinnon was a workhorse the last few games when Mostert was out... Uh, Kyle Shanahan may spread the ball around a little bit more with Mostert expected to go on IR. Oh, no, I'm not getting too hasty to pay for Jermichael. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh-huh. I, I actually firmly think it's Jeff Wilson's season again. He was inactive this game, um, and that's, this is something we've seen San Francisco do before, um, have an inactive player just like he's been many a time. And then when it's time for him to step up, he's in fully rested, fully healthy, and he blows up. Yeah, I, I think it's mainly going to be McKinnon here, but I actually think that once Tevin Coleman uh, comes back from that knee injury that's sidelined him for a few weeks now, he could see more work. So you don't think it's Jeff Wilson at all then? No, I, I my target right. would be Coleman, um, mostly because uh-huh. in a lot of these situations I tend to follow the money, and uh, you know, fair enough. That's where that's where it leads. Fair enough. On the Patriots side here, uh, they were a mess against Denver after so many missed practices due to those positive COVID tests. Uh, They should be a bit more prepared this week. Cam Newton will be an issue on the ground, of course, as usual. 
but we're seeing that the lack of receiver help is still hurting him like it did Brady last year. Is Edelman worth holding on to? Not right now, he's not. All right, and that was a pretty simple answer. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough because San Francisco's safeties are very good as well, so it would actually behoove them to attack them on the boundaries a little bit, and that's not really Edelman's game. And the last time we saw him against Kansas City, a couple ugly drops just really wasn't playing well in general. It, it's tough to rank this matchup or to pick this matchup. It, it's too good organizations with struggling teams if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Um, yeah this is a tough one but with it being at gillette uh in boston i I am going to take the patriots yeah i am picking my choice is bill belichick proving to us that he made the right move trading away jimmy garoppolo yeah i mean that narrative is certainly in play too and i think Generally speaking, uh, it's very rare to see back-to-back losses for the Patriots. I can't remember the last two. All right, the next game here, uh, plenty of back-to-back losses for the Jacksonville Jaguars at the LA Chargers. Uh, James Robinson has cooled off a little bit, but he continues to see a big workload, so his day was saved by that receiving touchdown. And then I think a lot of people were disappointed with LaVisca Chenault, who had a quiet day with Gardner Minshew finding Keelan Cole instead against the Lions. Chenault still the second best wide receiver behind Shark, but we are seeing that the rookie is going to be a bit inconsistent as a flex option here. Yeah, Shark was inconsistent too. I think this day had a lot more to do with Gardner Minshew just having an off day rather than the uh, wide receivers doing anything wrong. I think... I do think this could be a tough day again against this tough Chargers defense. We've seen them get after Mahomes. We've seen that line get at, uh, that line in the secondary get after opposing offenses. Uh, so I'd probably avoid streaming Minshew here if that was uh, the player having. But I do think Chark is probably going to be fine. He got 14 targets, plenty. Another week of healing up is going to help him get back into the strong wide receiver two consideration for me. Yep, Minshew will not be on our waiver list uh, at quarterback this week. Uh, But I do love the matchup for Justin Herbert, who is on our list, because Mm -hmm. he finally gets a layup game, uh, so to speak, against this Jaguars secondary after he had to face Kansas City, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans to start his career. Um, And then also, I like Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson, both as flex plays despite relatively quiet days against New Orleans. We just saw DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson burn this Jacksonville front seven Uh for over 150 yards and three touchdowns, so I would not worry too much about what happened two weeks ago against the Saints. Burned him to the ground. Um, I don't know how many leagues this is true in, but I uh, snagged Mike Williams before uh, the the final game of this week. Uh, You know, humble brag, I guess. But before the final game of this week started, so just don't forget about Mike Williams. He might be there. Uh, He's probably going to hurt himself again, throwing himself at the floor, catching passes. But, hey, he's a physical guy. That's what he likes to do. Yeah, I'm pretty happy about snagging uh, the Bills' defense against the Jets before they played uh, earlier today. Uh, but sadly, we did not record early enough to recommend that uh, mm. that move. Um, Stay vigilant. Yeah, but uh, again, something to keep track of. All that being said, give me the LA Chargers. Chargers, yep. All right, Sunday night football here. Tampa Bay Bucks at the Las Vegas Raiders. And again, what a difference a week makes. Uh, the Bucks <laughs> struggled to get anything going on offense against Chicago. Uh, two weeks ago on Thursday night with Mike Evans hobbled by that high ankle sprain and Chris Godwin out with a hamstring. But now they turn around and crush the Packers. 
even with Leonard Fournette expected back, it should be another solid matchup here for Ronald Jones, who's proving himself to be a very good runner on the ground. And Evans, I think, should have a much better day uh, without seeing Jair Alexander this week. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think what we saw was clearly a game plan to go against uh, the soft part of the Packers defense, target the underneath coverage and linebackers, which did leave just two targets for Mike Evans. Uh, now, I know I've given you a very hard time about Rob Gronkowski, but with all the injuries piling up at tight end and the overall badness at the position, right now is where my switch flips. And no, it's not just because he scored a touchdown. It's because Brady has taken a few weeks to adjust to Gronkowski's new much, much, much slower speed. And if Brady's going to be as precise with his with as precise with his throws as he was this week, I think it's going to spell a few more weeks like this, where you can absolutely use Grab Gronkowski as a startable tight end. I'm not saying he's scoring touchdowns every week, but I think four to five receptions is is a very doable thing here. And he is a good shot as any to be a top 12 tight end, which is not a tough thing to have happen for you right now with the likes of Zach Ertz, with Jonu Smith getting hurt, um, with having a lean on Logan Thomas, things like that. Um, Am I talking you back in? <laughs> yeah, I, I only need six more touchdowns from Gronk to win our bet. Uh, so I'm rooting for a multi-touchdown day for him every single week. Uh, but, you know, in general, I love Gronk. Uh, certainly a little bit past his prime, doesn't have the burners anymore. But like you said, uh, that solid option up the seam and, uh, you know, on those intermediate routes and certainly near the red zone. All right, yes, on the Raiders side here, <laughs> I didn't know if you had more to say about Gronk, so just left it open. But uh, You got a little out of breath. Yeah, I, <laughs> just thinking about Gronk, man, you know. This should be uh, a really good game, though, in general, because the Raiders are impressing. Uh, both of these teams should be playoff bound, and we saw against Green Bay that you know the Bucks are still a formidable run defense, even with Vita Vea out for the year. So this is kind of like the, you know, that unstoppable Bucks front seven meet the immovable Raiders offensive line. Uh, so I would not be scared of starting Josh Jacobs. I think this is going to be a battle in the trenches. I, I would consider benching Derek Carr, though. This Bucks defense could limit those big shots downfield that he was able to complete against the Chiefs. Yeah, I would outright not start Carr, and I would veer away from starting the uh, the outside receivers. I think Hunter Renfro can sneak away with a uh, with a solid day here. I think Josh Jacobs is fine, but do fade your expectations a bit. I think uh, Tampa Bay did just hold Aaron Jones to 15 yards on the ground, and Josh Jacobs has not been getting... He's been getting some, but not all the passing game work that I'd like to see him do. Uh, he's still a top... Uh, either bottom end running back one, top end running back two. You're starting him. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's the point. Yeah, I am not afraid at all uh, for Josh Jacobs. And, man, it's been a weird year where uh, some of the good teams have just gotten killed and some of the bad teams have done very well. So I, I don't know yet what to fully believe about this Buccaneers team, but I came into the year uh, really liking their defense, and now with their offense healthy, uh, I am going to stick with Tampa Bay. I'm going to stick with Tampa Bay winning here. And what that's going to mean is Tampa Bay has beaten the Packers and then Tampa Bay is going to beat the Raiders who have beaten the chiefs. The bears have beaten Tampa Bay, which shows you of course that the bears can beat the Packers and the bears will beat the chiefs in super bowl 53. Uh, all that's going through my head right now is that, uh, that gif of, 
was Jeff it? Goldblum? Uh, no, of uh, <laughs> Alan from The Hangover with all the numbers floating around and uh, same idea. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think I followed that, and I'll take your word for it. Um, Monday Night Football here: uh, the Chicago Bears, the five and one Chicago Bears uh, at the oh LA gosh. Rams. Uh, just to cap off how crazy 2020 has been. The Bears are now in the lead in the NFC North. <laughs> and uh, Allen Robinson figures to see a lot of Jalen Ramsey in this game, but Robinson's played about 25% of his snaps in the slot, so that should give him enough opportunities away from Ramsey. I still like him as a low-end wide receiver too. And it's a tough rushing matchup for David Montgomery, who just could not get in the end zone uh, against carolina instead nick Foles got that dive but montgomery's still seeing enough work as a receiver to have a nice ppr floor as an rb2 yeah you covered everything that there is for chicago uh this reminds me way too much of the 06 bears who kept winning in spite of their offense in spite of you know whatever you want to call it uh but i guess Foles is game managing well enough to not turn the ball over and uh that's all it takes sometimes right yeah, I, they're going to have to start scoring more than 20 points a game, though. Yeah, there, I actually have a stat for uh, this game when we get to the pick em, and uh, we'll get there in mm-hmm. just a sec. All right. On the Rams side here, after Sean McVay said that they need to involve Cam Akers more last week, Akers <laughs> played exactly one snap on offense, uh, did not see a carry or a target, so... Uh, there's just no way to trust any of these Rams running backs right now. Uh, Daryl Henderson did see the bulk of the carries against the Niners, but remains a touchdown-dependent flex with Brown and Akers threatening to come in and take the hot hand at any point, uh, especially this week against the tough Bears' run defense. And then Cooper Cup had a really off night with a couple of drops, including one that could have been a touchdown, so not too worried about him rest of the season, but again, uh, not not the greatest matchup here against the Bears defense that's been outperforming expectations this year. I think this team is really, really struggling to find an identity right now, it feels like. Uh, they, they had In past years, they had tons of success leaning on the run game with Todd Gurley. Uh, then they had tons of success with Cooper Cup basically leading the league in, uh, in touchdowns every year. Then they had the switch to the Tyler Higby central offense. I think Sean McVay might be gaming himself right now i don't know uh i'm fading woods and cup slightly uh just to middle mid-range wide receiver two still starting both of them just lowering expectations a little bit uh the defense is going to be tough on this running back situation uh mix that together with the the very strange three man slash two man picture like mcveigh actually telegraphed what was going to happen he uh he actually foreshadowed he said we need to use cam Akers more he didn't say he was going to do it this week at, at all in fact he didn't say he's going to do it this coming week or at all this season he just says he needs to do it so just like any of our you know new year's resolutions we have checklists we want to accomplish just because we need to do things doesn't mean they're ever going to happen Ooh, i like that getting into the semantics of coach speak here a dangerous game as always uh, but uh so here's here's the stat that i wanted to dive into uh real quick before we made the picks for this game sure. so the rams are 4-0 against the nfc east teams they've played this year and they're 0-2 okay. against everyone else and on the other hand the bears have outscored their opponents by a total of just 12 points this year oh my gosh. and wow. their opponents are combined 11 and 19 
So oh. I think the moral of the story here is both of these teams are inconsistent, but they've managed to squeeze out the tight wins, so anything could happen here. And based on that, I'm going to root for the Foles Magic to somehow come out on top for another week. So, uh, give me the Bears on the road. Yeah, I think... Uh anyone would be a fool to be putting any sort of wagers on this game uh, whatsoever. I'm going to go with uh, rolling with the Bears, enjoying watching wins, and I think that uh, the strongest unit of the f you know four phases of the game between these two teams is the Bears' defense right now. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think it goes Bears' defense, Rams' defense, uh... Rams offense and Bears yeah, yeah, offense. Yeah, Rams offense, but but I think Jared Goff gets uh, gets hornswoggled again this week. Yeah, I mean the last time uh, these two played in that primetime showdown, uh, the Bears did come out on top back in the Vic Fangio defense era. You know what I just realized? This is also a Nick Foles revenge game. Um, yeah, to an extent, uh, but he was never there under McVay, so not, I don't think quite as much. But no, it's certainly, the ownership. He's mad at Stan Kroenke. He's going to take him down. You know, it's it's not crazy. <laughs> All we, right. know, we know one thing. We know he's going to have a stretch of eight straight completions because that's what he does. I don't know what else is going to happen, but he will have an eight straight completion stretch. Yeah, well, plus, I mean, Foles already beat Brady, and Brady beat uh, Goff in the Super Bowl a couple years back. So by your there math, you Foles, Foles will beat Foles, Goff. Foles beats Goff here. Yeah, uh, I think we should do like a rock, paper, scissors, but with Goff, Foles, Brady. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, four teams on by this week. We've got the Colts. So Phillip Rivers, Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal. Mo Alleycox, Trey Burton, Jack Doyle. And real quick on the Colts, I do want to mention Marcus Johnson, who was one of my deep, deep dynasty prospects. Really liked him. Uh, showed uh, well on a few big catches against Cincinnati. Los uh, Minnesota's on by as well. Yeah, I, I think uh, that Alexander Madison, unfortunately, got completely and utterly game-planned out when, when they went down early with the uh, three uh, turnovers, three interceptions. Um Stinks for Madison. Unfortunately, stinks for your waiver priority and the fab that you spent because you can't use them this week because they're on a bye. And then Dalvin Cook is more than likely going to be back. So uh, sunk cost. Don't uh, don't get too hung up on it. I think it, the main thing is that it was great to find out that if the team go, does get down, that Boone and Abdullah are going to get a lot of passing game work. This might be something that, I mean, with the injury proneness, if that's a word that that uh, Dalvin Cook can have, I think it's just something to note. Come playoffs time down the road, if uh, if you find a game that's a terrible matchup for Minnesota, maybe don't buy in and uh, start Alexander Madison in your playoff week. Aren't they all terrible matchups for Minnesota? They are with this defense. Jeez, the <laughs> mighty certainly fall. Yeah, um, the next team on by here, the Miami Dolphins. So you're not going to have Ryan Fitzpatrick, Miles Gaskin, Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and Mike Gesicki. Uh, also, Parker has a groin injury. We'll talk about that in just a second as well. 
And then the final team on by is, of course, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, we know all the players, Lamar Jackson, the running back trio of Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Marquise Hollywood-Brown at wide receiver, Willie Snead at wide receiver, if you're getting tricky. And, of course, Mark Andrews. I, I do want to have my weekly touch on the uh, Ravens' backfield. Of course, Ingram left the game for a bit. Basically, all the work then went to Gus Edwards. But at the same time, Baltimore was huge until the fourth quarter. It's very frustrating, but I just want to reiterate, you cannot start any of these backs right now especially this week yeah um something to watch for sure is ingram's ankle injury it sounds like he's potentially back after their bye but uh, right. certainly something to keep an eye on all right we'll move right into the injury section then uh starting off at the quarterback position los you want to take him Sure, sure. We have uh, one uh, quarterback on the list right now, Sam Darnold, with that shoulder sprain in his throwing shoulder. Uh, He's questionable for this week. We're going to see if he's going to be able to return, monitor his practice status. If not, uh, we'll get another week of uh, Joe Flacco. I don't think it matters. I don't think you were trying to lean on uh, either of them. Hopefully, well, I guess Superflex leagues, they do exist out there. Um, But uh, Flacco has supported Jamison Crowder for uh, most other leagues, so that's at least good. Yeah, I think Crowder might just be QB-proof. <laughs> yeah, how about it? And Gase-proof. He's the only guy. Yeah, you're not wrong. All right, at running back, we've got Miles Sanders with a knee injury. He's out uh, for this Thursday night game, uh, adding injury to insults after fumbling just before he got to the end zone on that long run. Sanders got hurt at the end of that play as well. We don't have more exact info on the knee injury just yet, but the early report is that he'll miss at least the Thursday night game against the Giants, if not more. Joe Mixon with the foot injury, questionable. He was able to return to the game and finish, but came out on more series than he has in the past couple weeks. It does not sound serious, but again, something to monitor this week. Raheem Mostert with a high ankle sprain likely to go on IR, out for three weeks minimum. So the early report is that the Niners are expected to place him on IR, which would mean that week 10 against the Saints would be the earliest that Mostert could return. But with San Francisco on a bye in week 11, it could be very likely that the Niners would choose to hold Mostert out for that extra week and have him return in week 12 for their rematch against the Rams after their bye. So that would be right around the full six-week recovery timeline. Tevin Coleman, a knee injury on IR, questionable. He is already eligible to return, but we'll see when he's ready to come back in the next week or two. With the San Francisco offense playing better in general, with Garoppolo back under center, and then Mostert out for a few weeks, monitor Coleman's status this week. Mark Ingram, who we talked about just a second ago with the ankle injury, questionable for week eight uh, when Baltimore comes back from their bye. So just keep an eye on him uh, and his practice status after their bye next week. Dalvin Cook with the groin strain, he sounds probable. It sounds like it was a relatively minor injury against Seattle, but Minnesota wanted to play it safe after paying Cook all that money. The early reports are consistent that he should be back this coming week. Leonard Fournette with a high ankle sprain is probable as well. He sounds like he was ready to come back against Green Bay, but the team felt that they didn't really need to risk it, and they were certainly right. Expect Fournette back this week barring any setbacks. Nick Chubb with the MCL sprain on IR. The earliest that Chubb could be activated is Week 8 against the Raiders, but with Cleveland having a bye in Week 9, they could choose to give Chubb the extra two weeks to heal up and have him return in Week 10 against the Texans. 
Austin Eckler with a hamstring injury on IR as well. The earliest that he could be activated is week eight also against Jacksonville. Depending on the severity of this injury, it could be longer than that, but again, it's not expected to be a season-ending one. Eckler is worth stashing if you have the roster space or IR spot. And finally, Christian McCaffrey with a high ankle sprain on IR as well. He is questionable. He's been eligible to return from IR, but it sounds like he may still need the full six weeks or so to get back to 100%, and it would be prudent for Carolina to hold out their franchise running back until he's fully healthy. Fantasy players with McCaffrey on their rosters should want that as well rather than risking him coming back too soon and either being ineffective or risking re-injury. As for the wide receivers, Darius Slayton got added to the list this week with an ankle sprain. Slayton hurt his ankle twice in the game versus Washington, but was able to play through it and finish the game. This does not sound like a major issue that will keep him out. Just monitor his practice status here just in case. Sammy Watkins with his hamstring from last week. He injured his hamstring early in the game versus the Raiders and was out for the game versus Buffalo. So we'll see if he needs another week before he returns. He is currently listed as doubtful. Uh, Deontay Johnson with the back injury questionable right now Johnson seems to continually get nicked up Uh, we don't know just how serious this back injury is just yet but they can be tricky to return from so keep an eye on reports going forward Michael Thomas with the high ankle sprain he's probable right now Thomas was out in week 5 due to disciplinary reasons and not for his injury frustrating for those with him on uh, on their fantasy rosters but it sounds like he's going to be back this week barring any more fights Devontae Parker with the groin injury he's questionable for week eight Miami is on a bye this week so that gives him two weeks to heal we don't know how serious his injury is yet and they don't really have to tell us this week so just keep an eye on updates this week and next if there are Corey Davis on the COVID IR probable two weeks should be enough time for him to recover and test negative stay tuned for updates on him but he should be back this week K.J. Hamler with the hamstring. He's questionable. Hamler's practice participation will be key in determining whether he can return for a pivotal game versus Kansas City this week. And Deshaun Jackson with his hamstring. Sounds like he could be on track to return for their Thursday night game versus the Giants, which is good news for Wentz, who desperately needs healthy receivers, especially with Ertz likely out this week. And at tight end, kicking it off, we've got Jonu Smith with his ankle injury. Questionable. Smith got hurt early on against Houston and was not able to return, so certainly worth monitoring. It doesn't sound like a high ankle sprain, but still more severe than a normal ankle sprain. So we'll see about that. Zach Ertz with a foot-slash-ankle injury out for three to four weeks. It sounds like it's going to be Richard Rodgers and Jason Kroom at tight end for Philadelphia until Dallas Goddard can return. Ertz isn't a must-hold given how poorly he's played, but he's probably worth holding if you have the IR bench spot given the lack of reliable tight end starters right now. Dallas Goddard with that fractured fibula on IR. This is the first week that he could be activated, so we'll see if he's ready to go or not. And if not, the Eagles have their bye in week 9, so we could see him held out until week 10 against the Giants. And Noah Fant with an ankle injury, he's questionable. We'll see if he's finally able to get some practices in this week, monitor his practice status. And when you have injuries, you also have guys that need to add on to your team. So uh, that'll take us up to the quarterbacks. 
Ryan Tannehill, 54% owned in ESPN, 68% rostered in Yahoo. Ryan Tannehill has been playing lights out. Pittsburgh is a tough matchup for quarterbacks, but Tannehill might be matchup proof at this point, given how Tennessee's offense has looked. We'll find out that for sure this week. He's still a riskier start here, but he's a, he's the top waiver ad at quarterback for his rest of season outlook. Should be 100% rostered in all leagues. Has a solid tight end in Ferkser. Gets Corey Davis back and, oh goodness, drawing a blank. Other wide receiver, monstrous, very, very good. Corey Davis? Co- no, the other one, the one that A.J. Brown, tremendous, bails him out of every situation there is. So, Ryan Tannehill, I give him my confidence. Justin Herbert, 45% rostered in ESPN, 54 in Yahoo. This rookie has been playing excellently, and Jacksonville is top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. Despite a down game by Stafford this past week where Detroit's run game led the way, Herbert is a very good option this week. He loves to chuck it deep. Andy Dalton, 26% rostered in ESPN, 32% in Yahoo. Washington also Washington is also top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. We're going to see how the Dalton-led Cowboys offense looks tonight. It's uh, not looked great, not going to lie. Um, the Washington defense doesn't really scare me off of playing Dalton, though, regardless. All right, and at running backs, we have Justin Jackson, 52% rostered in ESPN, 46% in Yahoo, and Joshua Kelly, 55% in ESPN and 54% in Yahoo. In their first game against the Saints with Eckler out, Jackson saw more work both on the ground and through the air. Jackson saw 15 carries and 6 targets versus 11 carries and 1 target for Kelly. Both running backs should be rostered in far more leagues than their current percentages with an excellent matchup against Jacksonville this week, who just allowed over 150 rushing yards and three touchdowns to the Detroit running backs this past weekend. Jarek McKinnon, 62% ESPN, 71% in Yahoo. Jamichael Hasty, 0% across both formats. And Tevin Coleman, 21% rostered in ESPN, 22% in Yahoo. With Mostert likely to miss about six weeks with that high ankle sprain, McKinnon again becomes a priority add for teams in need of running back help. Hasty was involved as well after Mostert was declared out in the second half against the Rams, but his work came mostly late mopping up with San Francisco having a healthy lead. If Mostert were to miss multiple weeks here, Coleman's pending return from IR depending on when he's ready to come back makes him worth a look. Boston Scott, 11% rostered in ESPN, 13% in Yahoo. And Corey Clement, 1% in ESPN, not rostered at all in Yahoo. With Miles Sanders out for Thursday night against a very beatable Giants defense that's allowing the 12th most fantasy points to opposing running backs, both Scott and Clement are viable flex plays for teams in need of short-term running back help. Adrian Peterson, 55% in ESPN, 62% in Yahoo. DeAndre Swift looked phenomenal against Jacksonville on Sunday, but Peterson remained heavily involved with 15 carries, including some goal line looks. Atlanta this week is also vulnerable to the run, so we could see another decent line for Peterson as a touchdown-dependent flex. Swift is already rostered in most leagues, but it goes without saying that he should be the top priority add at running back if he's somehow out there in your league. Frank Gore, 29% ESPN, 31% Yahoo. And Michael P. Ryan, 12% ESPN, 18% in Yahoo. If you're really desperate, the Jets' offense is a mess, but Gore saw 11 carries and 4 targets against Miami, and P. Ryan saw 7 carries and 3 targets. Both are desperation RB4s with some utilization in PPR scoring. 
And finally, Giovanni Bernard, 3% in ESPN, 6% in Yahoo. It doesn't sound like Mixon will miss any time with that foot injury, but for those with him on their rosters or fantasy players in deeper leagues, Bernard could be worth an add just in case. He'd be in line for the lead role in Cincinnati if Mixon were to miss any time. All right, now for some big playmakers at wide receiver. T. Higgins, Cincinnati, 44% rostered in ESPN and 52% in Yahoo. Higgins was our top waiver priority at the wide receiver position last week, and his roster percentage really did not change. He's now seen at least seven targets in each of the last four weeks and played the most snaps on offense among all Cincinnati wide receivers this past week. He is a solid wide receiver three with upside going forward and should be rostered in far, far more leagues. Chase Claypool, 84% ESPN, 49% in Yahoo. He's probably who uh, burned up all the top waiver ads last week, honestly. Higgins is the better long-term ad, I think, with Deontay Johnson expected back at some point from his back injury. But there is no doubt that Claypool has proven worthy of a big role, even with Johnson and Juju there. He could be what we wanted Martavis Bryant to be, and he's a wide receiver three going forward at the very least. He might even have wide receiver one potential. He's rostered in most ESPN leagues, but for some reason there's a large disparity in the Yahoo leagues with Claypool just at 49%. Mike Williams, 42% ESPN, 45% in Yahoo. Williams is one of the best contested catch wide receivers in the league right now. With rookie Justin Herbert looking far more developed than expected, Williams is a weekly boomer bust wide receiver three with very high upside, especially this week versus a vulnerable Jacksonville secondary. Cole Beasley, 30% ESPN, 34 in Yahoo. Another touchdown for Beasley tonight versus Kansas City, and he's been solid every week with Buffalo's offense playing well. No real tough secondaries until the Chargers in Week 12. He's a serviceable wide receiver three right now, given the efficiency of the Bills' offense, with added upside if John Brown misses any time. Christian Kirk. 43% rostered in ESPN, 39 in Yahoo. Kirk has averaged six targets per game over the last two games as the most involved wide receiver in Arizona behind Hopkins. Tonight, he has two touchdowns versus Dallas so far. Uh, he gets another great matchup versus a weak Seattle secondary this coming week. Could be the guy for you. Tim Patrick, 19% rostered in ESPN, 18% in Yahoo. Patrick has now logged back-to-back 100-yard games. With Cortland Sutton out, he's been the go-to downfield wide receiver for Denver and Drew Locke, and he's accurate enough on those deeper passes to keep Tim Patrick in the flex conversation going forward. Travis Fulgham, 47% in ESPN, 31 in Yahoo. With Zach Ertz now hurt, Fulgham should... Fulgham should... That's tongue twister. Fulgham should continue to see high target volume, even with Sean Jackson expected back this week. Who knows? He may not last the entire game anyways. That said, with Jeffrey and Rager eventually expected back as well as Goddard and Nertz, Fulgham remains a lower priority, short-term only answer at wide receiver. Yep, and at tight end, speaking of short-term answers, we've got Anthony Ferkser, not rostered mm-hmm. ESPN, 1% in Yahoo. If John New Smith is out this week with that ankle injury, Ferkser would be a tight end one given how well this Tennessee offense is playing and how often Tannehill targets his tight ends. Eric Ebron, 54% rostered in both formats. Unfortunately, the call on Ebron last week didn't work out. He was on our waiver wire ads list last week as well. But Ebron continued to see a ton of playing time against Cleveland, just simply wasn't targeted much in a blowout game. He remains a worthwhile streamer this week against the Titans in what could be a high-scoring game, especially after Darren Fells just torched the Titans for 85 yards and a touchdown. Trey Burton, 6% in ESPN, 20% in Yahoo. 
Burden had a nice day against Cincinnati, but one of his touchdowns was a rare rushing attempt for him, and while he's been the primary receiving tight end, Jack Doyle is still seeing a lot of playing time. And then you've got Mo Alley-Cox coming back after the Colts' bye as well. Phillip Rivers likes throwing to his tight ends enough to keep Burden as a high-end tight end too, but he's still going to be touchdown dependent. He should be added if you need help at tight end, but we wouldn't recommend dropping too much of your fab dollars on him. Richard Rodgers not rostered in ESPN or Yahoo. Though Jason Kroom scored the touchdown after Ertz left the game with his injury, Rodgers is the one who saw three targets compared to Kroom's one. He's a decent flyer if both Ertz and Goddard are indeed out for Thursday night. Darren Fells, 5% in ESPN and Yahoo. We mentioned that Fells was worth a look on last week's show if Aikens remained out with his ankle injury, and Fells certainly delivered against Tennessee. Green Bay is a tougher matchup for tight ends, but if Aikens is out yet again, Fells has seen consistent playing time and target share in his absence. And then, of course, a few good streaming or adding defenses. Uh, Buffalo, 67% in ESPN, 70 in Yahoo. The Bills defense is rostered in most leagues, but they're out there in quite a few, maybe dropped in a few uh, with uh, Buffalo skipping that week. Um, So they're worth mentioning, given that the Jets have allowed the second most fantasy points to opposing defenses. Even if Darnold returns this week, this remains a weekly matchup to target streaming defenses. Philadelphia, 14% in ESPN, 30 in Yahoo. While Philly's defense has struggled, so is Daniel Jones. The Eagles' deep defensive line should be able to get home against Jones at least a few times in this game, probably a strip sack or two. The New York Giants DST, 36% ESPN, 38 in Yahoo. If you're desperate, the Giants on the other side of this Thursday night matchup could also be worth a look. They've managed to score at least two sacks every week this year, and Carson Wentz leads the league in sacks taken this year through six games with 25 sacks, missing uh, at least two of their projected starting linemen for the start of the year. Indeed, and uh, we're getting down to it. Uh, it's time to start really making those moves, making sure you get enough wins to make it to the playoffs. And as always, if you have more specific questions regarding your team or your league, we're happy to reply on Twitter. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And you can find me at FFA underscore LOS, L-O-S, LOS. And you can, of course, find our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of, an, any of our upcoming podcast episodes. Good luck this coming week. It's the fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit caron.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery.